For decades, we recognized seven locations around the globe as the seven wonders of the world. These included the Great Pyramid of Giza, the Statue of Zeus at Olympia, and the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Eleven years ago, an international campaign sought to select seven new world wonders, voted by the population of the world. We can now add the Taj Mahal, the Great Wall of China, the Christ Statue in Brazil, among other astonishing locations, to the list of world wonders. Here in the Keystone State, we have our own local wonder, a place so magical and mysterious, it's been drawing visitors for almost 150 years. Pennsylvania considers this subterranean wonderland our greatest curiosity. Perhaps that distinction isn't enough to compete with places like Machu Picchu or the Roman Colosseum. But here in Pennsylvania, we're all pretty enamored with Crystal Cave. The discovery of Crystal Cave was a bit of a happy accident, although no one knew quite what to make of it at first in 1871. But a year later, the cave was opened for visitors, and it's been delighting guests ever since. And as you might guess, some people say it's haunted. Crystal Cave is nestled in the hills of Kutztown, Pennsylvania, a town you've heard me speak about before when I told you about the Belschnickel, a Pennsylvania Dutch legend about a man dressed in raggedy clothes with a long beard and a bushel of sticks on his back. He arrives a few weeks before Santa to check up on boys and girls. If they're being naughty, they've got two weeks to turn it around. The German Heritage Museum on the Kutztown University campus celebrates Christmas with a visit from Belschnickel, but the university wasn't always known as Kutztown. In the 1800s, it was a seminary with just five students in a private home. Then it became the Keystone Normal School and eventually the university we know today. The most prominent and certainly the most recognizable building on campus is Old Main. Although if you were to look at a lithograph of the building from the 1860s, You'd be surprised to learn, even though it looks similar, none of what you see in that photo actually stands at the site of Old Main today. Like the legends of Crystal Cave, some believe Kutztown University's Old Main building is haunted too. Join me as we take a ride up what will forever be known to me as the Northeast Extension. We'll hop off after about an hour and follow little winding roads with warning signs alerting drivers to horses and buggies. First, we'll head up to Old Main take a look around, and then we'll swing down the road a bit and go spelunking in Crystal Cave. I'm Dina Marie, your host on this Twisted Journey. Welcome to Twisted Philly. There's more mischief, mayhem, and nefarious goings-on in the city of brotherly love than Billy Penn could have ever imagined. We've got it all here on the Twisted Philly podcast. True crime, haunted history, the coolest and creepiest places to visit. Welcome, Welcome to, to Twisted, Twisted Philly. Philly. Kutztown, Pennsylvania is a tiny college town. Their Main Street, which is actually called Main Street, features one of the most charming malt shops I've ever seen. When you walk into Pop's Malt Shop, you feel like you've been transported back in time to the 50s. They offer up burgers and fries in a charming 50s-style restaurant, but it's the ice cream counter that charms the pants off you. Their flavors are so unexpected, like Fluffanutter. I'm not much of an ice cream fan, but I'll tell you what, their salted caramel ice cream is unreal. Then there's what has now become my most favorite bookstore in the world, Firefly Books. 
Firefly smells like old books. You are enveloped in the comfort that only the scent of old books can bring from the moment you set foot in the store. I'm still waiting for someone to develop an essential oil with that aroma. Firefly features vintage books, used books, new releases, a beautiful little children's section, and a really wonderful offering of books about more macabre subjects. For instance, on one of my recent trips this summer, I picked up My Best Friend's Exorcism and Paperbacks from Hell, a twisted list of horror paperbacks from the 70s and 80s. And then I bought about a half dozen tiny little golden books that are two by two. Firefly Books has a rich, well-stocked section of books about Kutztown or by local authors. The entire store is an amazingly curated collection of wonderful books to suit absolutely any reader's taste. There are so many other shops along Main Street that I absolutely adore. I have become such a fan of all of the businesses along this little stretch of road in Kutztown, Pennsylvania. As you head up the hill on Main Street, you'll come to an intersection where the street to the left is called Normal Street, and to the right, it's College Avenue. I always thought normal was an odd name for a road. Doesn't seem normal at all, at least not to me. But there's a reason for that. Prior to becoming a state school and then eventually a university, the college was established as the Keystone State Normal School in 1866. The school actually opened six years earlier in 1860 by Henry Nix, who'd immigrated to the States about 20 years before that. Back then, it was called the Fairview Seminary. It operated out of a large property owned by a local reverend in Kutztown, Pennsylvania. Nix had loftier goals, though, which included turning his seminary into a state normal school. At that time, the phrase normal school meant a teaching college or a place of higher learning where students were trained to become teachers. A number of the buildings on campus today date back to the late 1800s and early 1900s. And like most colleges, the names of numerous structures, even some of the more modern buildings, are dedicated to those who came before us. For example, Lytle Hall, which houses the English department plus math and history, was named after a man named Dr. Clyde Lytle. Lytle joined the Keystone State Normal School in 1922 as an English professor and was soon promoted to chairman of the English department. Besides serving as a professor and chairman, Lytle was an advisor, a writer, and an actor. I'll share his photo on my social media pages because as soon as you see Dr. Lytle, you know he's an English professor and you can absolutely tell he's an actor. He looks like a complete character. Once you cross Normal Street, you can't miss Old Main. It's a beautiful, imposing red brick building, five stories high, up on the left. It bears a little resemblance to Independence Hall with its white windows, columned front entrance, enormous clock tower, and all of that red brick. The cornerstone of Old Main was laid just over 150 years ago in 1867. Back then, there were just under 320 students at the Keystone Normal School. 55 were women. Considering more than half the teachers in the state of Pennsylvania were women at that time, it's a damn good thing the school admitted women. In the 1880s and 90s, Old Main underwent significant changes with the addition of new wings, one to house women's dormitories and the other for men. In the book Kutztown University by KU graduates Emma Billig and Kayla Fusselman, there's a photo of women and men's dorm rooms, and these photos are magic. Both rooms feature small iron beds with thin mattresses. In the women's room, there are three women in Victorian clothing. 
one seated at a small round table and chairs. There's a beautiful patterned fringed shawl draped over the table. Another is on a couch or a chaise, and a third woman stands next to a dresser. There are pictures and photographs all over the walls, floral curtains, striped curtains, pennants, trinkets, mementos. It looks like it's a lifetime away. And at the same time, it's so similar to dorm rooms of young ladies today with wall hangings and photographs and pennants. The photograph in the men's dorm room is similar that they too had small iron beds, but that's about it. The walls are bare, no photos, nothing personal to give a hint as to who these men were or what they liked. Each gentleman is sitting around a small table covered with books. They're wearing ascots and ties, very formal dress for lounging around their dormitory, reading a few books. Although Old Main changed considerably over the 1800s and early 1900s, the building is old. The old bell tower was modernized in 1910 with clock faces that actually covered up the old bell, which was installed there in 1893. The bell sat in hiding for 85 years until it was removed in 1995. Today, it sits on the grounds of College Hill Memorial Grove. Old Main's clock tower is affectionately referred to as an angry chicken. I don't know why. It does not look like a chicken to me, but apparently it looks that way to the students and staff at Kutztown University. The university website has a page dedicated to the old main building. It was the only building on campus at the turn of the 20th century. Today, its purposes are vast. It's home to the university's computer science and IT departments, counseling and student affairs, sports management, social work, so many other departments. What I find interesting about this page is that the university acknowledges Old Main's resident ghost, a young woman named Mary. Reading directly from their website, the university says Old Main has maintained its historic beauty and charm, including its resident friendly ghost, Mary. According to many students, Mary can sometimes be seen quietly roaming Old Main's corridors. Who is Mary, this friendly ghost? The stories surrounding Mary Snyder's death in 1895 are numerous and a bit sordid. Mary was a student at the Keystone State Normal School in the mid-1890s. She was supposed to graduate on Thursday, June 27, 1895, but she never made it to graduation. Mary took her own life because, according to legend, she was in the family way. That's a very old-fashioned way of saying she was pregnant. At 21, she was unwed terrified of telling her parents she'd caught pregnant, and rather than face the shame her state would bring on her family, she hung herself in her dormitory in Old Main before she had the chance to graduate. Who was the father? Well, no one really knows. Although one rumor at the time said it was a professor at the normal school. When Mary told him she was pregnant with his child, he turned on her out of fear of losing his position with the school and his standing in the community. I actually found Mary Snyder's obituary in the Reading Times from their edition on June 27, 1895. The column header read, A Long Death Toll. It was a list of obituaries. I'm going to read you Mary Snyder's obituary as it was written over 120 years ago. Mary Snyder, aged 21 years, a member of the Class of 95 of the Keystone State Normal School, who would have graduated this day at Kutztown with high honors, died Wednesday morning at 3 o'clock. She was taken alarmingly ill about 2 a.m., and her roommate summoned assistance. The physician's certificate states that her death resulted from inflammation of the brain. She was a diligent student, 
and overstudy probably caused her death. She was a stout, healthy-looking young woman. She was the daughter and youngest child of Squire William Snyder of Exeter Township. Mary Snyder was not pregnant with a teacher's baby. She did not take her own life, nor did she die of a heart attack, as was reported by a local librarian who researched Mary's death. It's possible she had a heart attack as well as inflammation of the brain, and that might have been overlooked as a contributing factor in her death. What shocked me, though, was reading overstudy was a probable cause of brain inflammation. I would imagine the community would have a different perspective on studying today. Study, do your homework, show up for class, you or your parents or someone is paying for school, but don't burn yourselves out, kids. Mary Snyder's ghost is said to roam the halls of Old Main at Kutztown University. Perhaps it's because she passed away early Wednesday morning on June 26, 1895, the day before she was scheduled to graduate with honors, that she doesn't want to leave the university until she has a chance to graduate. I watched a few videos on YouTube which question whether or not the videographer captured the ghost of Mary Snyder. One video is titled Kutztown's Ghost with a question mark. It's only about 30 seconds long, and it shows flashing lights in two windows of the top floor of Old Main. At first, I thought it was the fire alarm flashes, and of course someone captured it and posted it to Facebook. But these look more like lights being turned on and off, and it's only in two windows, not all the windows on the fifth floor. I can't say it's evidence of the ghost of Mary Snyder, or any ghost at all for that matter, because it could have been someone in that particular room turning a light off and on. Another video claims they've captured the Kutztown ghost in a girl's bathroom in Old Main. The video clip is a close-up of the left knob of the faucet. It turns very slowly by itself. It's creepy. It could be a ghost turning the knob, but there's nothing discernible about Kutztown University or Old Main in the video. It is literally a close-up of a faucet knob you would find in any school bathroom, a high school, an elementary school, or a university. As I read through the comments in this video, a few viewers claimed a knob from a faucet handle turning by itself, in Kutztown or anywhere else for that matter, was debunked by the ghost hunter show Taps. Apparently, a buildup of water pressure combined with loose washers or rings, will cause a knob to turn on its own. I never knew that. In April 2017, Virginia Paranormal investigated Old Main at Kutztown University. The crew claimed they heard ghostly responses to questions they uttered up and down the hallways, but the utterings didn't make sense in relation to their questions. It was more like a smattering of random words. Two investigators set up small flashlights on a windowsill, one red and one blue. They asked, if anyone is with us, could you turn on the red flashlight, indicating the one on the left? Nothing happened. Then a female investigator explained what the flashlights were. These are sticks that make lights. You touch them or touch a button on them and a light will come on. I thought it was great she did that because, think about it, if you're trying to communicate with the ghost of a young girl who died in 1895, she won't know what the hell a flashlight is. She's never seen anything like that. Almost immediately after explaining what it was, the red flashlight turned on. And as the other investigator asked the spirit to turn off the red one and turn on the blue, the blue one turned on. 
It flashed on and off multiple times, brighter and softer for a few seconds, while the red one stayed illuminated. Then the blue one faded off completely, followed by the red. What I liked about this team of investigators out of Virginia is after that, they said they still have to prove it was the action of a spirit and not just the flashlights coming on and off on their own. Perhaps the batteries weren't exactly connected or the cap was loose, although all of that was checked before the experiment. They had other instruments set up too to measure temperature and sound and determine if the flashlights were the only changes in the room at the time. The investigators stated there wasn't an established line of communication with the spirit because although the flashlights did go on and off, they didn't turn on and off in a pattern the investigators requested. They also noticed some fluctuations in their meters, but again, the investigators stated that wasn't confirmation of anything paranormal. Those meters sometimes fluctuate as a result of environmental or atmospheric influences, so it could mean the presence of a spirit, but it doesn't definitively mean a spirit was present. Ultimately, their assessment was that Old Main could be haunted. However, the night of their investigation, they were unable to capture any experiences, sounds, or readings that confirmed it was haunted. The stories I found online about Old Main are numerous, and many of them center on the fourth floor, with residents hearing things above their heads on the fifth floor. In the late 60s, one man claimed he heard footsteps above his head. His room was on the fourth floor, and the footsteps were on the fifth, which at the time was unused. For many, many years, the fifth floor remained closed off. It was more of a storage facility, so there wouldn't have been anyone walking around up there. He and his roommate called campus security, who, upon arrival, also heard the footsteps. The security guard went up to the fifth floor to investigate. There was no one there. And strangely enough, the guard claimed he found footprints in the dust along the corridor of the unused fifth floor. These footprints started in the middle of the hallway. They didn't come from a room or from behind a door. They simply appeared, continued on for about 20 feet, and then disappeared. A female student who lived on the fourth floor of Old Main in 2001 said she and her roommate constantly heard noises above them. Sometimes they'd hear giggles outside their room. She even claimed one day her DVD player flew off her shelf. A young man visiting Kutztown University for wrestling camp while he was still in high school claimed he and his teammates had paranormal experiences over the three days they stayed on campus in Old Main. They claimed their door handle rattled at night. They said they watched a quarter move on its own from a common room to a piece of furniture in a room nearby. And he said lights went on and off without anyone touching the switch. On Wednesday, November 6, 1991, Ed and Lorraine Warren visited Kutztown University and hosted a lecture at Schaefer Hall before 800 attendees. Over 200 people were turned away at the door. There were so many trying to get in. There, Ed and Lorraine did what they do best. They told ghost stories. Whether or not the stories they told were real is a subject of considerable debate. Lorraine Warren has always referred to herself as a clairvoyant, and Ed claimed to be an exorcist, ordained by the Catholic Church even though he was a layperson. After their lecture, the Warrens toured Old Main. Most of their time was spent up on the fifth floor, where almost immediately after stepping off the elevator, Lorraine began conversing with the spirit of Mary Snyder and a second spirit, that of an old woman. Lorraine Warren claimed Mary's spirit was trapped on earth because of guilt. But we know that's not true. I found her obituary from 1895, for God's sake. The poor girl didn't commit suicide. 
She wasn't pregnant. She was a scholarly student who would have graduated with honors if she hadn't died from a horrible medical condition. So what the hell did she have about which to feel guilty? Nothing. Lorraine may have seen or heard ghosts, but that part she got wrong. According to an article in the Morning Call newspaper back in 1991, Lorraine asked the ghost of Mary Snyder, What is it that troubles you? Why do you remain here? Ed told Lorraine, Let the ghost know we're friends. Lorraine then said, I'd like to be sympathetic to your pain. I'd like to help you accept your death and to leave here. To which Ed replied, Tell her not to be afraid of the other spirits who come to her. Send her into the light, Lorraine which sounds like a line out of Poltergeist. Lorraine asked the spirit to knock if she understood them, and there was a subtle noise, which could have been scratching. It definitely wasn't a knock, yet the Warrens felt the spirit understood. Here we are, 27 years later, and many people believe Mary Snyder's spirit still lingers the hallways in Old Main. I told you what I think. I believe Mary is there because of the committed, studious girl she was who never got to graduate. I wonder if Kutztown University made Mary an honorary graduate and included her name, Mary Snyder, in the 2019 graduation ceremony, even made her a diploma and hung it up in Old Main, if she would finally feel settled, maybe feel that she had some closure and move on. I wonder if I could convince the university to give that a try. Our second story in this episode will take us a little ways down the road from the university campus to Crystal Cave. Crystal Cave is less than 10 minutes from Kutztown University. From campus, you follow Kutztown Road to Crystal Cave Road. It really couldn't be easier. Crystal Cave has been open for visitors for almost 150 years. It was discovered in the late fall of 1871 by a man named William Merkel and his partner John Garrett. Merkel and Garrett were mining for limestone, which Merkel's father Gideon, as well as other farmers, used to improve soil fertility. During one of their blasting trips, they were shocked to find a hole in the side of the hill where they mined. After clearing away dirt and debris, the men realized they'd uncovered a cave. And within a few days, John Garrett and men from Kutztown ventured into the cave with ropes and oil lanterns. A second expedition set out a few weeks later. More than a half dozen men examined this underground wonder for nearly two hours, completely mesmerized by what they called diamond-like crystals all over the cave walls. I'm sure you can figure out that's how the cave got its name. These early explorers were overjoyed, thinking they'd stumbled upon a diamond mine on a rural farm in Pennsylvania. But alas, their dreams were soon crushed when a local jeweler told them these were merely crystals, still beautiful, but not worth much money. As you might imagine, a cave discovery was pretty exciting stuff back in 1872, and for months, locals went into Crystal Cave at their own risk. One man in particular, a local named Samuel Kohler, who collected geological specimens, feared the cave would fall victim to vandalism or theft. He rented the cave from landowner Gideon Merkel a few months after its discovery and then nailed a wooden door into the hillside to keep out trespassers. Soon thereafter, Kohler purchased the land and the cave from Gideon Merkel for $5,000 and became a cave operator. Samuel Kohler worked tirelessly for the next three months. 
He graded the hill that led up to the cave and made it easier for visitors to reach the cave mouth. He placed wooden boards inside the cave and even built wooden stairways for people to navigate the cavern. He used kerosene-soaked rags and torches as light sources. And by May 25, 1872, he announced the Grand Illumination Ceremony of Crystal Cave. Visitors could tour inside for just 25 cents. He even created a flyer for the event, which read, The undersigned would respectfully invite the public to the grand opening and illumination of the beautiful cave in Richmond Township, which will take place on Saturday, May 25th. The proprietor has made every effort to make this grand affair satisfactory to all. The Greenwich Cornet Band will be present and enliven the people with good music. The bottom of the flyer? Well, that was signed by Samuel D. F. Kohler. Crystal Cave wasn't that unusual. Many areas in Pennsylvania are filled with caves like this one. But according to news reports from the late 1800s, it was very unusual for someone to open their cave to the public as a for-profit tourist business. Kohler even advertised his grand illumination event in the local paper, the Reading Times-Dispatch. So this guy was all about marketing 150 years ago, and he didn't just stop with newspaper ads. He printed collector cards that looked like postcards but featured information about the cave plus other nearby interesting destinations and quoted testimonials from important people who'd visited the cave. He posted billboards and signs on fences. There were flyers and posters all over nearby businesses. He made a guidebook of Crystal Cave, which he sold to the tourists. And it was in that guidebook where Crystal Cave was dubbed the greatest natural wonder of Pennsylvania. Crystal Cave became so popular so quickly, Kohler realized if he had a hotel, he'd make even more money because visitors from far and wide would stay at his hotel instead of properties down the road. They'd be closer to the cave, and he'd corner the market on everything related to Crystal Cave. The Kohler Hotel opened around 1876, and on the cornerstone, Samuel Kohler inscribed, Crystal Cave, discovered November 12, 1871, by Messrs. Garrett and Merkel. SDF Kohler, proprietor. Ten years later, in 1886, Kohler's son David purchased Crystal Cave from his father and took over running the cave, the tours, and the hotel. Tourism at the cave continued to thrive into the turn of the century. Even students from the Keystone State Normal School visited Crystal Cave. And in 1919, a local couple was married inside the cave beside what was described as a natural altar covered with flowers. In 1923, David Kohler retired. He sold the cave to a group of investors who formed the Crystal Cave Company Incorporated, which still owns and operates the cave today. Those wooden stairways were replaced with metal bridges and railings. They installed a parking lot and a much larger and more secure entrance at the mouth of the cave. Kohler's Hotel, well, that's now the Crystal Cave Museum and Gift Shop. There's also a cave-themed miniature golf course, a restaurant and ice cream parlor on the grounds of Crystal Cave, beside the fact that inside the cave is like a wonderland. I think I was about seven the first time I visited Crystal Cave with my family. There was no miniature golf course back then. Shit, that was over 40 years ago. Nor was there an ice cream parlor. There may have been a little spot to buy souvenirs. I remember it being so much colder inside the cave than it was outside, especially in the summer heat. It was cold and damp. You could hear water dripping off the stalactites hanging down from the ceiling. It was shimmery, like there was glitter on the walls. 
I'm sure we were told so much about the history of the cave and the science and the geology of the rock formations, but I don't remember much of that from that first visit. I just remember feeling like I'd been transported out of this world someplace else, a place where rock princesses lived, and I loved it. Some of the formations inside the cave range between 80,000 years old to three times that much in age. I've been back since, although it's been quite a while. And as I conducted my research for this episode so I could share with all of you the history I'd forgotten about this marvel in the hills of Kutztown, I learned some people believe Crystal Cave and the area surrounding it is haunted. While I couldn't find a lot of details about it, I did find a few reports that as many as four ghosts have been spotted on the grounds outside the cave and in the building that was once Kohler's old hotel. There are reports of footsteps inside the cave and outside on the grounds, lights flickering on and off, and even on TripAdvisor, someone posted a photograph of what they believe is a ghost inside the cave. The person who took the photograph wrote they didn't notice anything when they took the picture, but once they had the photographs developed, they noticed what looked like smoke. The photographer believes the smoke could be ghosts. I'm sorry to say, no matter how hard I looked at that photograph, to me it just looks like a picture of a shadow. Crystal Cave does offer a ghost tour. Actually, it's a Halloween ghost lantern tour, where the tour guide regales visitors with what their website calls spooky and sinister ghostly experiences from the past and present. The guides wear traditional Victorian clothing and present the original Crystal Cave tour from the 1870s. The Ghost Lantern Tours are available on Friday and Saturday nights, October 13th and 14th, the 20th and 21st, and the 27th and 28th. I absolutely have to take that tour. But since I'm out of town both the weekends of October 20th and October 27th, if I can squeeze it in, I guess it'll have to be on the 14th. Reservations are required, and you can make your reservation by calling Crystal Cave at 610-683-6765. Crystal Cave is open daily between March 1st through November 20th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. You can find out more information, including directions, other special events like the Halloween Ghost Lantern Tour, and even more on their website at crystalcavepa.com. As always, thank you for listening. That's it from me. Ciao for now, Twisters.